Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Amen. Can you hear me? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Amen. Hey, what an intro. What an intro. Come on now. <laughs> Don't make me break out these shoes. <laughs> amen, amen. I'm excited to be here, um, especially uh, share this, um, uh, this message this week. Amen. It's always a privilege being up here. Um, I am uh, excited about this entire series, Matthew and the Kingdom, um, and we have been a, uh, in a good portion of this series, amen? How many of you enjoyed the past couple of weeks, amen? Amen. I mean, we, we, I'm sorry, I don't have a, a, a time-lapsed bean video for you. I don't have any crop killer pictures for you, but it's, it has been a joy um, to, um, uh, just to hear the message and to be in the series that we're, that we're in. Is it me or are you guys awake? We're awake. You are? Okay, man, we haven't been here an entire week. We should be excited to be here, amen? Stand with me for a moment. Come on, everybody. Wow, I need to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this building. We thank you for this place. We thank you for these people, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the word, um, uh, that you will put through me, Father God. I, I, I want you to use me, Lord, just as a broken vessel, Father God, and, and speak life into somebody today, Father, that they would, they would come to know you in, in a better sense, Father God, that revelation would occur this morning, here, today, Father God, forever, for whoever who is, is willing to follow, whoever is faithful, Father God, and, and whoever is, is, is just willing, Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would... Um, uh, be a part of this, Father God. We invite you uh, to, be entire, to be a part of the entire service, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about kingdom crops, and we talked about sowers and seed and soil. Um, and I, these past messages have really spoke a lot of life in, in me. Um, I really uh, appreciate the the word that was given given to me in in all those. We talked about um, uh, crop killers and kingdom crop killers uh, that are in our life right now. Some of us have no idea that there's certain things in our lives that are snatching us up like a carnivorous plant. Right? You remember the video? Um, we talked about replanting and how do we get from one spot to another um, to either. Cease the weeds that are in our lives or add growth to in our lives. Somebody say amen. amen. And then lastly, we talked about the local yokos. Amen. amen. We, we talked about going regional and, and, not, uh, and not just being so focused on, on the local people in our entire inner circle. I got to tell you a crazy story. I, I, I have been inviting a, a past friend of mine who's actually a neighbor to church for many years, many years. We're on our third week of life groups. I ask somebody at the girls' school the first time, and he shows up the next day. So don't kid yourself. When we talk about it, you got to think regional because God's doing stuff all over all the time. And it's not just what you can see. It's beyond that. Amen? So it was very... Um, 
uh, very excited to to see him and and it really reminding reminded me about um, being regional and and not just focusing on the local. Amen. Amen. So this morning, uh, as we prayed, I really really asked the Lord to um, to use me this um, this entire time preparing for this message. And um, this morning's message is titled "The Kingdom Compassion." The kingdom's compassion. And we're going to look at the compassionate king. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are uh, finished Matthew chapter 13 with the kingdom crop killers. We are moving into Matthew chapter 14. um, And I want to start at verse 1, which makes sense. And let's read from verse 1. And I'm going to read the entire chapter. And please... Follow along with me or read with me in your own word. You can look it up uh, up here. It may be on the screen and it may be up to speed. If not, follow in your own word. Amen? Amen. 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 Matthew chapter 14 verse 1. At the time Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid a hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me, the, give, me the, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Verse 12, then the disciples came and took away the body and buried it. And went and told Jesus, feeding the 5,000. When Jesus heard, he departed it. What are we talking about? When he heard the story about his cousin, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him. Say follow. Follow. They followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Say you. You. Say me. me. He said, Bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude, I'm sorry, and he said to them, We only have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus responds, He said, Bring them to me. Then he commanded in verse 19, he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments or leftovers that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a, go- into a boat and go before him. That would have been cool if he made him get into a goat. <laughs> Verse 22, his disciples to get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. So take this picture. The... the It's nighttime, Jesus is praying, and the boat was anchored by the shore, and he told the disciples to go to the boat. Well, by morning time, now the boat is out in the sea, so the waves and the storm takes the boat away from the shore into the middle of the sea. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone, and the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. 
It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. Then Peter come, come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And, be, and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Then those that were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Many touched him and were made well. When they had crossed over, they came to the end and the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out all that surrounding region. Oh, there's that word region again. Brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment as many as touched if it were made perfectly well. There's a long, a lot of stuff in this portion of, of scripture. And thank you for reading it with me and say, and trust me, there's something that happens when you read the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. They, uh, even more things spoke to me right now, and I've already got 12 pages of notes. I can't add to it, amen? But um, I want to share a different um, uh, topic, and, and the things I want to talk about today are, are really three points when it comes to the compassionate king. Three points that I really want you to understand when it comes to the compassionate king. Point number one is we need to follow. Somebody say amen. amen. You have to follow. If you want compassion from the Son of God, you've got to follow. If you understand that most of these people were touched because they were in the vicinity, they were following him. The Bible saturated with scriptures in regards to compassion when it comes to, 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 to Jesus. And the origin of the word is not found in the Greek. It's not found in the Hebrew. It's only found in, the, in Latin. And compati means to suffer with. To suffer with. The compassionate king, when we talk about suffering... It means that Jesus was able to take your pain into his. To take your pain into his. That is true compassion in every sense of the word. In Exodus 33 verse 19, this is God telling the people of Israel... You might remember this from our study. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim, proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. We must, have to, uh, we must understand that we have to follow. If you want access to compassion, you've got to follow. And when I mean follow... I mean, follow, like obedience. I learned a valuable lesson these, these past weeks. Uh, I've been riding a bike, and I'm no small guy. So sometimes, uh, for me to make it easier on my life, guess what? i got to follow a bigger guy. And that's called drafting, if you guys don't understand that. It happens in racing. It happens in cycling, in motorcycles, in cars, whatever the case may be. But when you follow somebody close enough, they call that drafting. And the benefits of following, following somebody that close is it's a little bit easier. And here's why. Because that person leading you is taking on all the headwind. That person leading you can guide you in that right direction. These multitudes were following Jesus. And we have to understand that that is a great opportunity for us to tap into the compassion I'm going to read a scripture to you. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again, 
by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Harius by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and that she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. There's healing when you follow the compassionate king. Can somebody say amen? amen? When we find ourselves struggling in life, you've got to follow Christ. Amen. It's the only way you avoid obstruction, you avoid headwind, there's less resistance, you can call it tra uh, uh, drafting, you can call it obedience, you can call it following, whatever it is, we need to know that we've got to follow Christ. Maybe this will get some of your attention. Maybe I'm speaking to a foreign crowd. But for many of us, this is our version of following. That's how we follow. There's a button that says follow. There's a button that says like. In society, this is what it means to follow. How many followers do you have? How many people are drafting behind you? Literally, it says follow. Many of us have no idea that we are just following herds. We're following the masses. Literally, like just a bunch of sheep following the masses. We're not following the shepherd. Be careful what you follow. Be careful who you like on your Facebook. Yeah, that's what happens. When you follow the masses, sometimes the M is silent. <laughs> the result of following the masses is this. At times, you just follow people right into, right into that. You are following the multitudes, and there's a difference between following the multitudes and the multitudes following Christ. You see, when you look at Scripture and you look at when Jesus, when he walked the earth, people that followed him were healed, were delivered. They had to follow to tap into the compassionate king. In Mark 5, 24, verse 34, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Where was she? She was following Jesus. We just talked about it. All she had to do was follow. She put herself into a position to be healed. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, starting at 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And then his crew, his disciples said, what do you mean? There's a multitude following you. He said, who touched me? He looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. She had to follow. She didn't like. She didn't share. She knew what she was looking for. She had to follow the compassionate king, to tap into that. She believed if she could just touch the hem of his garment that she would be healed. She reached out to Jesus in faith. She was rewarded with a divine release of power from the Son of God. Her blood had been flowing for 12 weeks, 12 years. And as we know, blood is symbolic of life in the scripture. She was dying Life was coming out of her, hemorrhaging. Are you hemorrhaging right now in life? 
Because you're following 3.4 other people? Because you're not willing to tap into the compassionate king by following him? Let me tell you something. The person following the crowd will only get as far as the crowd goes. Never go beyond that. Never. You're in the masses with the M, and then who knows what happens after that. The person following the crowd will go no farther than the crowd, but those who follow Christ have access to his compassion, which include grace, salvation, healing, deliverance, mercy, bread, living water, I just shared with you two examples of the multitudes being healed, being fed, being told, go and sin no more. True grace. Mm. Facebook, IG, Twitter, following the masses. Remember that, following the masses. For you to tap into the compassion of the king, you must be willing to follow. Number two, we have to be willing. You have to be willing. I love how Jesus tells his disciples. The disciples literally tell him, hey, it's getting late, Lord. Send these group of people away. They're all hungry. And he says, no. You feed them. He put it on them. He didn't stand up and say, I'll feed them. He said, you feed them. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. How many of you or us are willing to say, Lord, I'm willing. Just tell me what I need to do, but I'm willing. Many of us are not even willing to... Start a Bible study. Open up our homes. Jump into ministry. Go up in the classroom and pray before service. Many of us are not willing to do anything that's out of our comfort zone because it's not related to those three pages that we follow. But man, you'll tap, you'll share, you'll scroll, you'll dive into it. You're following the masses. We have to be willing. Um, how many people know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is? Uh, Connie, ladies first. No? Come on. Absolutely. Amen. One of the authors in the book of our courses, uh, our discipleship book, it's got a quote that says, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. We have to be willing to share people's pain to be the example of compassion. That's what it means. Compassion is an innate ability to feel someone else's pain. A mourning, if you would. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come to heal him? Man, he's being followed by a multitude. Somebody out of the blue comes up, a Roman centurion, and says, hey, I've got a servant who's dying. And, and Jesus says, hey, should I come and heal him? That's compassion. He had it for strangers. He had it for his disciples. He has it for the entire world. 
And each and every one of us have access to it. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am myself, I'm a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to the following, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He's telling the multitudes, this stranger from a different town has more faith than all of you. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say kingdom. But the subjects in the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you're following the masses, that's where you end up. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Jesus was willing to heal him, was willing to go to the house. We have to be a church that's willing to do things. We have to be a church that's willing to step out in faith and follow Christ. Separate ourselves. A couple of weeks back, I I said many of us are are so, so concerned with being in the in crowd that we're not with the stable few. We like to be a part of these... I'm going to stop there before I get in trouble. Jesus Christ is willing... Are you? Are you willing to get out of your little local bubble and talk to somebody regionally? Are you willing to be honest with yourself and say, hey, this thing in my life is a kingdom crop killer and I need the compassion of Jesus in my life right now. I need to have this type of access because when they followed, they were healed. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus cleanses a leper. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him. Stop right there. This leper did not come to be healed alone. The scripture tells us he just came. Do you know that just participation God can honor? If you are just willing to do something, God will take that. He cannot take a heart and use it. He doesn't force himself on anybody. I don't know if you noticed that. I created you to worship me, but I'm going to give you free will so that you can do it. Because that's true love. He's not going to force you to do anything. He wants you to be willing. Are you willing to start a ministry? Are you willing to add a life group in your home? Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to do that? Or are you just following the masses and not willing to do anything else? Are you willing? Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, it says, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. If you're not following Christ, you don't have access to this. If you're not willing, God cannot use you. Now the reason the leper was healed of leprosy is because Jesus was willing to heal him. If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus replied, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And guess what? Jesus was willing to heal this man from leprosy. Jesus is willing to heal you from your drama right now. Jesus is willing to heal you from an addiction. Jesus is willing to heal you from anger or depression or whatever, whatever's going on in your life, whatever resistance you have in your life because you're not drafting, you're not following Christ. And things are getting tough in your life, but Jesus is willing. Are you Willing to tap into the compassionate king. 
Are you willing to let him come into your life today so he can clean up your heart, transform your mind, and make you a new creation? 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. You are capable and able to be willing and to follow. God is not only giving you a spirit of power, but also a desire to be touched, to be healed. To be changed. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I am... uh, a bit surprised that many of us, I think, are more fearful of doing things our own way. And I, I can share it to you this way. I, I had a devotional and I shared it to, with a few men. But the devotional literally said that obedience to God is more painful for people around you than it is for you. You know why? you got to step out of the masses. And all of a sudden says, hey, everybody says, why aren't you drafting? Why aren't you following me? Oh, I got to follow him. And when you follow Christ, things are much easier. He'll guide you around obstacles. He'll take on the wind. He'll take on situations. He'll make things easier for you. Obedience to Christ is more painful for those around you than it is for yourself. Because you've got to step out of the masses. John chapter 8 verse 1 says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And they had set her in the midst. They said to him, teacher... This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Verse 5, now Moses and the law commanded us in that such she be stoned. But what do you say? They said, testing him that they might have something to which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Because of this portion of scripture, many people say that God and Abraham wrote the commandments on stone. And this was the moment that Jesus wrote his commandments in sand. He drew the line. That picture should tell you that even in your sins, he can draw the line. When he draws the line in sand, it can easily be swiped away. But it's only when you get access to the compassionate king. In verse 7, so when they continued asking, asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he, is, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her. And then again stooped down and wrote on the ground, and those that heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went away one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up, And saw no one but the woman. He said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Can you imagine that compassion? You're in the midst of a group of men in a town getting caught in the act of adultery. And he says, Woman, where are these people that accuse you? That's that's compassion. Can you imagine if he said that to you? James. Stand up. It's okay that you're addicted. Come to me and I will deliver you from. It's okay that you have thoughts that are uncontrollable. I can deliver you that. I can deliver you from that. I can draw the line, the, the, the line in the sand. 
She said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I. Neither do I what? Neither do I condemn you. There was no trial, no jurors. She was caught in the act. Some of us had sex before marriage. Caught in the act. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you. I'm compassionate. When you follow Jesus, you have access to this compassion, this grace, and this mercy. You don't have to do it alone. You can't do it alone. Newsflash. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the key. That's the key. Everything leading up to that is wonderful and is powerful and is gracious and is merciful and is compassionate. But go and sin no more means, listen, I paid the price for you. Don't do it again. Carry on. Because many of us have this mindset of cheap grace. Oh, he loves me. It's okay. Oh, he loves me. Yes, he loves you. He doesn't love what you're doing. Especially if you willfully continue to do it. I'm telling you, compassion, the definition of compassion is being in pain with somebody for what they're doing. And every time you continue to do it, if you don't take that seriously and you go and sin no more, it pains him. It pains him. Cheap grace cannot be allowed in the church. You know how this grace was paid for? It's behind me. Nothing ever in history like it. Ever. That's the compassion. Corporate passion. Compassion. That's why they call the movie The Passion. It was passion for all of us. And we all have access to it. Go and sin no more. Church, do not be fooled with cheap grace. We've all sinned. None of us are perfect. Another news flash. Don't stress yourself out. Just stop doing what you continue to do when you're asking for grace. If you keep asking for the same stuff over and over and you're not changing anything, the definition of that is insanity. You're crazy. You're local. Magnoon. I can go on. I got two other languages. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. That was all I got. But that's crazy. And the king that paid that price to give you a costly grace, you pain him when you keep doing what you're doing. But yet he still has compassion. Yet he still loves us. This woman was caught in the act, folks. He could stop the hemorrhaging in your life. We saw that. She just touched his garment. A Roman centurion says, hey, man, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say it. If you're willing, please do it instantly. It's done. A leper, if you're willing, heal me. I am willing. Pastor last year had spoke a message on, on the MO, the method of operation of our Savior. That's his MO. He cannot help himself but love you and forgive you. That does not mean you don't break his heart when you continue to do the dumb things that we continue to do and ask for grace. This was costly. This separated him from his father for three hours. On this earth it went dark because the separation of the son and the father were created. And it's because of our sin. But he was willing to pay that cross. He was willing to pay that cost. Man. If you're not following, you don't have access to the compassionate king. If you're not willing, you don't have access to the compassionate king. 
The end of that story in verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Write this down. If any one of you are willing to take this note, if there's one thing you take away, don't take away the masses and the silent M. Those are all just goofy stuff. But take this. One act of compassion can condemn sin. True, combas- true compassion cures more sin than condemnation. Can you imagine going up to somebody that has sinned against you, that has broke your heart, that has made you mad, that has stole from you, that has, has, has made you look foolish? Can you imagine one act of compassion against that person would bring them to know Christ in your life more than anything you could preach? Anything. True compassion cures more sin than condemnation. Jesus didn't tell the leper, hey, why are you afflicted? Who sinned, your parents? Nope. He didn't tell the woman that was crawling in the midst of a multitude to touch his garment. What'd you do that for? You're all dirty. He stopped. He silenced everybody. Certainly didn't tell this woman in the act, getting caught in the act of adultery. What are you doing? Don't you know better? Man, he just did this. And what's crazy is some of us are on this line, on this side, and some of us are on this side. Those that are with the compassionate king understand grace and the cost of grace. Those on this side... Don't understand the true cross, the true cross of grace, of grace, and we're willing to condemn. Lastly, point number three: every single one of these healings, every act, every story, every scripture I shared with you, there was a whole lot of faith involved. For you to have access to the compassionate king, you must have faith. Peter had it for a moment. A boy walked on water. In the midst of a storm. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 19... Afterward, the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked him why we couldn't drive it out. He's referring to the boy with the demon and how the disciples prayed and and tried to get this demon out of him. Because you have so little faith, Jesus responded. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. It means nothing if you follow Jesus if you have no faith. It means nothing if you're willing and have no faith. Faith is the answer in addition to the first two points we talked about. If you do not have faith, how can you trust that this king can give you compassion? How can you believe that you're forgiven, that you could be healed? That God can say, I know, child, I love you nonetheless. Even Peter's faith was tested in the boat. In our scripture of context of Matthew 14, in 27, it said, Jesus immediately spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come To you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. 
And what did the compassionate king do? He stopped, reached down, and saved Peter. Think about that for a moment. Are you drowning right now? Do you need the compassionate king to stop what he's doing, reach down, and save you? Is your life hemorrhaging like the woman? Are you dying day by day, unable to get ahead, unable to find peace, unable to find joy, and if so, it's not permanent, everything's temporary? The answer is here. The answer is here. The answer is the compassionate king. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've done. I can't describe this any better. Man, God's so good. I find myself sometimes when I... uh, when I don't understand things. And I challenge you to do this too. When you don't understand things, whether why you are in the situation you are or why you've been delivered from the situation you are, just think of the thief on the cross next to him. You realize that he was willing just to say, Lord, forgive me. I know who you are. Forgive me. And instantly, in the moment of paying for our grace and the greatest cost ever, he turns to him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine? The greatest act in history is interrupted by a sinner. The greatest act of compassion is interrupted by a sinner. And just like Peter, he stopped, reached out his hand, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. When you struggle understanding your purpose, when you struggle thinking, man, my life is just bleeding out of control, when you struggle and say, I am drowning... I don't know if I'm in the masses or with the other group or I don't know where and who I'm following. Just understand that God would stop everything, even when he's saving the world, to save a sinner. Can you imagine that? That's what I think sometimes. Sarah and I have had some good news lately and sometimes better than expected and I'm like man I don't deserve you I just don't I don't deserve what you're doing for me I, you know it's just it's, uh, it's almost speechless yeah. you, you become speechless Amen. you're like man in the midst of saving the world you're going to stop for me and deliver me in the midst of paying the greatest cost You're going to heal my family? In the midst of dying for the world, you're going to forgive me of my sin. The greatest act of compassion happened here, and it gave us all access. But you got to follow. You got to be willing. And man, you got to believe it. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Every one of these instances, there was an ounce of faith in their heart from Peter to the man with leprosy to the Roman centurion. To the boy with a demon. Faith can move mountains. Nothing without faith. Without faith. Without faith, stand with me.
I may not know everybody in this place, but I will always um, open this up to everybody because who am I to say it's not open for everybody? I want to remind you that these multitudes were fed, they were healed, and they were delivered. All, all because they were following Jesus, they were willing and they had faith. These multitudes left cities, left counties, they left their local yokels. If you look at the train of people leading all the way up there, think of the faith it took to pack up. Follow this crazy guy. He's doing amazing things. This is the prophet. Think of the, the people that brought the, the ailing ones. Think of the people that, that brought the sick ones. When you think about the, the man that was raised down from the, from the roof. To be healed by his friends. His friends carried him up on a roof and brought him down in the middle of, of a meeting so Jesus could see him, just so Jesus would have access to him. So he would have access to Jesus, I should say. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to them, Mostly assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom of compassion. The kingdom of crops. The kingdom of crop killers. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.